This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Uh, we've been in a series, actually. I have not been here the last two weeks, but I've been listening online. I've been following, and uh, I get the chance to pick up week three in a series called This I Know, God is For Me. And I, I want us to say that together And when we get to the phrase, God is for me, I want us to emphasize the word me. I want us to kind of drive that point home and make this very personal. Uh, Pastor Frank laid a lot of great foundation for this series, helped us understand the doctrine behind this. But then last week, Pastor Andrew really knocked it out of the park to really just challenge us to not be afraid, to not fear, but really to step into this and have a faith conviction that God really is. Today, I want us to, to take us to a place where we actually believe and confess and experience that God hears us and God answers our prayers. God hears us and God answers our prayers. But to get to that, I want us to refresh in this thought. So let's say it again and let's say God is for me when we get to that. So let's say this together. This I know. This I know, God is for me. All right, let's do that again. This I know, God is for me. God is for me. God is for City Bible Church. God is for Mill Plain. God is, yes, for Pastor Daryl, for Pastor Frank. He's for Pastors Marcus and Kim. He's for my wife. He's not just for leaders, not just for people with titles. He's for you. He's for your business. He's for your marriage. He's for your family. He's for the prodigals that are not serving the Lord. He's for the children that you don't yet have. He's for the mountain that you're standing in opposition against right now. He is for you. And if we can grasp that and begin to understand it, I believe not only understand it, maybe even step in by faith and begin to experience it, we begin to tap into our really key verse and an understanding that David had in the book of Psalms which lays groundwork for where we've been and where we're going. I wanna read this scripture together. Psalms 56, verse nine. Psalms 56, verse nine says, then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. Now, I want you to imagine David going into the house of the Lord, preparing for battle, knowing he's up against military might, knowing there's an enemy in front of him that he's gotta face, and somehow inside, he's gotta develop conviction. Let me tell you today, you're not gonna develop conviction in my presence. You're not gonna develop conviction in in, uh, Pastor Libby's presence or Pastor Mark's presence. You will develop conviction in the presence of the Lord. You've gotta go into the house of God, meet with God himself, and come out with a sense of belief and conviction where you say, like David said, I'm going to go into battle because I know that God is for me. God is for me, whatever I face, whatever I'm up against. And there's a key thought in this series, and I want us to read this together, this confession and this foundation statement that we've been reading in this series so far. We're gonna put it up on the screen, and I wanna read this together. It says, God is for me, all right? So here we go, let's read this together. God is for me, hearing and answering the prayers I offer up, with faith and unshakable confidence, expecting God to work everything out on my behalf in agreement with his plan and his will. That is a foundation for what we're gonna say today. You know, I wanna take David's thoughts and I wanna take the series thought and I wanna drive it home just a little deeper, talking about the God who hears and answers prayer. 
The scripture in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 is gonna be key to what I'm gonna share with you today. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says this. It says, how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening, and if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. This is an amazing portion of scripture, but before we can really unpack the scripture, you've got to really understand the person who's writing this. The apostle John is known in scripture and known in history as John the Beloved. He was a man who loved God. He loved Jesus. He spent 42 months with the person of Jesus and became so enamored with this person, Jesus, that as he was sitting at a meal with him, he would lay his head over on Jesus' chest and just, and he couldn't get close enough. He couldn't draw enough out of this person, Jesus. He was so blown away by him. So much so that John threw himself in, not only to knowing Jesus while Jesus was there, but threw himself into the personal call of Jesus to go and preach the gospel in the ends of the earth. John became a church builder. And he wrote epistles and he wrote documents and he wrote the gospel of John. He wrote books to churches and tried to establish right truth and right understanding. And if you read through his epistles, really starting in 1 John, it's very interesting to hear the tone of his words. He, he writes to the people of God and he calls them beloved. Now this is John the beloved. He's the man who was so enamored with the love of Jesus that he couldn't get enough of him. And he so was impacted by his life that when Jesus was gone, he turned his attention towards the people Jesus loved and he began to pour that same love out on him. And when he'd write, he'd say, man, I love you. I just, I just love you. You ever met people that when you get in their presence, you just know, man, they wanna give you a hug, they just love you? As opposed to other people who are just kind of standoffish and distant. Maybe they, do, maybe they really do love, but they don't know how to love. John was not the guy who didn't know how to love. He just said, beloved, I, I want you to walk in truth. And it, and it brings me no greater joy than to know that my children are walking in truth. And by the way, I love you, I love you, I love you. You just hear it over and over and over again. Obviously, John had a love relationship with Jesus. There's something about being in his presence that just intoxicated him. The end of John's gospel, he wrote this amazing phrase, and this just intrigues me, just blows me away. He said this, there's so many things that Jesus said and so many things that Jesus did. If we could write and write and write and write, the world couldn't even contain all the books that would house who this person is. Jesus threw John for a loop. And when John sat down to write to the beloved children of God, he knew he couldn't fill the earth with volumes and volumes and volumes of books. He had to narrow his thoughts down to the most important things that needed to be said. If I came to Pastor Marcus today, I said, Pastor Marcus, you got one month to live. He would change the way he lived. Everything he said would have weight. Everything he wrote would have weight. 
and you would be the same and I would be the same. We would think about life differently. John knew the world can't contain volumes. What I say, what I pass on, and what I hand to the people of God is of utmost importance because they didn't get to know Jesus personally like I did. So everything I am, I want to put into a few words. One of those phrases was what we read just a few moments ago. And I'm going to read it again with that context. I want you to hear this. Follow along with these words and get that kind of passion behind it. Read this. And how bold and free that we actually become in his presence. He's telling us what it was like personally to be in the presence of Jesus, the Son of God. When he came to Jesus, he didn't feel ashamed to talk to him and he didn't feel like he needed to back away and, and apologize for all of his brokenness and his faults. What he actually felt when he came into the presence of Jesus was empowered. He felt strengthened. He felt grace. He felt mercy. He felt lifted. Would you say the word lifted with me? He felt bold. He felt empowered. He felt free. He felt like there was an open channel of communication between him and the God of the universe. He's telling us how bold and free that we actually become when we come into his presence. Man, I'm telling you, I felt the presence of the Lord here in this place this morning, and what I didn't feel was the need to run and hide. I felt the beckoning of the Holy Spirit opening up to me saying, come closer, Daryl. Come closer, come closer. If we're gonna talk about God being for me, we've got to begin to, to tap in to what John is saying here, that we can actually find a place of boldness and freedom in the presence of the Lord. But not just boldness and freedom. Boldness and freedom that brings us to a place where we start to freely ask. Start to freely ask, God, there's some mountains in my life. There's some struggles that I'm up against. And by the way, Jesus is not turning a deaf ear to you. He's actually turned his ear towards you and he's listening. This is not Daryl's testimony. This is John the Beloved, the man who lived 42 months and developed personal relationship. He's telling you, City Bible Church, this Jesus whom you know has a new level of boldness and freedom for you, and he wants you to ask. I've got two sons, Judah, who's 12, and Noah, who's 10. The other day, my son Judah came to me, and he was talking to me about wanting some Mariners tickets. Can I hear an amen about that? He was talking to me about wanting to see the Mariners play, and he said, Dad, can I get tickets? Dad, can I get tickets? Dad, can I get tickets? About the fourth time he said it, I wanted to turn and say, no, you can't have tickets. He just asked multiple times. And what I realized in that very moment is the nature of God is not to put down and say, stop asking. The nature of God is to say, come closer and ask again. Come closer and ask again. I never want my children to leave my presence saying, I shouldn't ask. I wonder if I should ask. Maybe I shouldn't ask. Maybe this is too extravagant. Maybe this is too big. I'm here to tell you today, nothing is too big for this God that we serve. Jesus wants to bring boldness and faith and confidence back to you again to say, come into his presence and ask. Ask largely, ask largely, ask largely. John was an amazing man as he wrote this. I believe he would have said that confession that you and I said just a few moments ago. My God is for me, my God is for me, my God is for me. 
There's a number of reasons why I've come to believe this, and John's words actually should be enough. But how many want to be honest with me? You don't have to raise your hand, would say, you know, it's good for John, it's good for them, but I don't know that it's really good for me. You don't have to raise your hand. Praying the prayer of faith, believing that with God all things are possible, it works when things are going well, but when things aren't going well, it can be a real struggle to believe. There's reasons why all through scripture that this truth prevails. I wanna read Joshua chapter 10 to you. We're gonna put it on the screen, Joshua chapter 10. And I wanna read one of the reasons why uh, that this illustration and this truth that John is unpacking for us matters to you and it matters to me. And I'm gonna wind a little of my own story in it so that maybe you could wind some of your own story into it and come up to a higher level of boldness and a higher level of faith to believe that maybe God could show up in your place of discouragement and the mountain that you're facing at this season of your life. Joshua chapter 10, interesting portion of scripture. Joshua, as the leader of God's people, was leading God's people into battle. Generational promises had come to them. I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna give you the land and you're not gonna have to fight. Let me fight the battle. And Joshua had all of those promises that he was able to pick up and stand in from generations gone by. And as they begin to march into Jericho, and you know the story of Jericho and the fall of Jericho, God favored him and God blessed him and God gave him strategy. God shook the city to its very core and its very foundation. God gave them victory, very profound experience. Those kind of stories started to shake the foundations of other kingdoms and other nations. And those kings started to get nervous. And one of them was the Gibeonites. And they said, you know, what are we gonna do? Israel's coming our direction and God is working for them. What are we gonna do? I know what we'll do. We'll form a strategy. We'll make an alliance and then they'll have to protect us. Joshua had been told never to make an alliance with another king and another nation, but to defeat them and rid them of the land and God would give them the whole possession and the fullness of the land. But Joshua made a mistake. Everybody say made a mistake. And he cut covenant with them and He agreed that the Gibeonites would become servants to them and they would protect them and they would watch over them. And even though it was trickery, Joshua made the decision and God held them to their covenant. Well, as other kings and other nations heard now that these two nations were joining forces, they were afraid again and they said, we better go down and wipe out the Gibeonites so that Israel doesn't become so great. Those Gibeonites are mighty military men. And so they formed and fashioned a plan to attack the Gibeonites. Joshua went to prayer, and in chapter 10, verse 7, this is the result of his prayer and his understanding. The Bible says Joshua and his entire army, including his best warriors, left Gilgal and set out for Gibeon. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you victory over them. Not a single one of them will be able to stand up against you. Joshua traveled all night from Gilgal and he took the Amorite armies by surprise. The Lord threw them into a panic and the Israelites slaughtered great numbers of them at Gibeon. Then the Israelites chased the enemy along the road to Beth Haran, killing them all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As the Amorites retreated down the road from Beth Haran, the Lord destroyed them with a terrible hailstorm from heaven that continued until they reached Azekah. And I love the next phrase. 
It says the hail killed more of the enemy than the Israelites killed with the sword. Can I hear an amen about that? That is God's divine intervention showing up. If I can't kill them all, God's just gonna send a hailstorm and wipe them out because he's for me. He's not against me. Can I hear an amen? It says, on that day, the Lord gave the Israelites victory over the Amorites. Joshua prayed to the Lord in front of all the people of Israel and he said, let the sun stand still over Gibeon and the moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still. And the moon stayed in its place until the nation of Israel had defeated its enemies. And this event not recorded in the book of Jasher. The sun stayed in the middle of the sky and it did not set as on a normal day. There'd never been a day like this, not before or since when the Lord answered such a prayer. Surely the Lord fought for Israel that day and Joshua and the Israelite army returned to their camp at Gilgal. I love this story and I love it for a number of reasons. I'm gonna list some of them here for you in just a few moments. But I love this story because it's a story of promise. It's a story of battle. It's the story of God showing up when his people need him the most. It's a story of God being for you, not against you. It's the story of your life and it's the story of my life. In real struggle, what do we do? We turn to the Lord and John said, we know when we come into his presence with boldness and faith, he hears and he answers our prayer. Listen to what Joshua experienced. Seven things that make this story my story and make them your story. Here's the first one. The first one is this, because this story tells me that God is involved even in mistakes. Would you say even in mistakes? Even in mistakes. Joshua cut covenant with people that God told him not to, but God still had his back. I don't know about you, but I stand before you today as an imperfect leader. I stand before you as a man who's made mistakes in his life, but this I know, God is for me. And God is involved even in the midst of mistakes. If I could even add on to this, I would say not just in mistakes, but even in times where we pray prayers that are insignificant, insufficient for what we're facing. Maybe those moments when I don't even know what I should pray, I'm just trying to get through life and I just cry out and say, oh God, I need you. Sometimes we don't even make mistakes as in sin mistakes. We just don't pray and ask large enough. Or we pray and we don't even really know what to pray for. You know, I, I was eight, probably eight and a half years old and as a young boy, I knew God had put his hand on my life. And I had a brother in Portland Bible College and at eight, eight and a half years old, we would drive down from a little town in Washington to Sunday night services at Bible Temple on 76th and Gleason Street. There was a balcony in that building. Bible Temple, by the way, is now called City Bible Church, if you don't understand the history here. And we would drive down and we'd climb up into the balcony and I remember sitting right by a plexiglass wall. How many know what I'm talking about? And I would stand there, look down over into the, the main level of the sanctuary and I remember seeing people around the front worshiping and I remember seeing a couple of people dancing in the presence of the Lord and the sound of worship that was coming out of that house struck me as a young boy. And I prayed a prayer, and this is the prayer that I prayed. God, someday could I be part of a house that understands worship like this? We went on our way, 
little town, little church, was raised up, became a young man. God put his hand on my life and said, I want you to shepherd God's people. And by the way, I want you to go to Portland Bible College. Unique set of circumstances that brought me here. I didn't even put two and two together until the opening day of Portland Bible College Chapel. And as I'm lifting my hands in worship, the presence of the Lord hit me and took me back to that moment at eight and a half years old, standing in the balcony at 76th and Gleason Street, And the Lord said to me, today, I have answered your prayer. And the Lord brought me to the house that at eight years old, I entered into relationship with God. He heard and he answered my prayer. If I told you my story from eight to 19, it would be riddled with mistakes. It would be riddled with wrong decisions. It would be riddled with ups and downs in life. But in the end, God heard, God answers, God responds. Even in the midst of mistakes, he's working in your life. 11 years from one point to another, and I didn't even give a second thought. Well, you're not giving a second thought to your prayer. He's giving all kinds of thought to your prayer. He's involved in what you're up to in your life. You prayed for a prodigal five years ago. God's still working on that prayer. It might take him a little bit of time to get through, but this story of Joshua reminds me that God is good and God is involved even when we make mistakes. The second thing the story tells me about your life and my life, the life of our church and where we're going in the future is because of this story. It tells me about our life. The reason I can have confidence that God hears and God responds is because this is the story of our life. We make mistakes. God speaks. God challenges. We come back around. We surrender ourselves. And then God unpacks the next layer of destiny. Do you know that me coming to Portland Bible College in 1992 and meeting men like Bill Scheidler and Jack Lohman and Ken Mullman and Mark Estes and Frank Damasio and Dick Iverson and Mark Jones and meeting the men of God that he put in my life that was just one layer of fulfillment. God saw so far down the pike He saw so far beyond where I saw my life at. If you're a business owner here today and you've made a mistake in your business and you're saying, God, are you really there? Number one says he is. Number two says this is your life. One level of victory is just the beginning. There's another level of victory. There's another level of fulfillment for you. There's another dimension in God. Your life is not over yet. Can I get a little response back from you about what God is up to in your life. I never would have dreamed 16 years ago that we'd be back again. But I think my presence here today started back when I was eight and a half years old when I said, God, would you bring me to a house like this? He brought me once and like a boomerang, I've come back again. The prayer keeps living. The prayer keeps working. God is still involved. It's the story of our life and your life is not over yet. The third thing that this story tells us, seven reasons I know he hears and answers prayers because the story represents the impossible things we need God to intervene in. I remember coming to Portland Bible College and there'd been some difficulties in the church I grew up in and I was I was bitter against church leadership and I came and I remember sitting in church with my arms crossed, 
looking at Pastor Frank and looking at the leaders, wondering if these men could really be men of integrity. And I went into a dorm meeting one night and like John said, when you come into the presence of the Lord, he wants to bring you into boldness and freedom. He never wants to leave you in a place of bondage. So I came into his presence in a dorm meeting as a young man with bitterness in my heart. And the Lord spoke to me and said, tonight, do you wanna be free from bitterness and bondage? And I said, I'm not bitter, Lord. And the voice came again, tonight, do you wanna be free from bitterness and bondage? I said, Lord, whatever you wanna do in my life. And at that moment, Literally, my legs would not hold me up. And if you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit like this, I'm here to tell you it was as real as me standing here right now. I couldn't stand up. I collapsed under the presence of the Lord and I began to weep and years of bitterness and anguish over leadership issues begin to pour out of my heart. And God did heart surgery on me that night. God did heart surgery on me that night and I begin to trust again. I begin to believe again. I believe, uh, I begin to think that maybe God really did call me and God really could link arms together with me and some other leaders and we could see something great. There was something going on in my heart that was beyond what I could will. It was beyond what I could choose. It was beyond what I could even get myself liberated from. I needed divine intervention. Mine was bitterness. Yours might be a relationship issue. It might be a business scenario. It might be a, a financial obstacle or a physical issue. Whatever you need God's divine intervention in, he's willing to show up and work out in your life. This story represents a man who was in a battle that was going his direction, but as the sun started to descend, the battle could have gone awry. And Joshua said, I need divine intervention. And because I know a God who hears and answers my prayers, I'm gonna pray a crazy prayer. I'm gonna pray a radical prayer. God, would you liberate me from all the bitterness of my own heart? God, I'm here. God, would you meet my business financial need? God, would you get a hold of the prodigal? He prayed, God, would you make the sun stand still? That's a radical prayer. God, someday would you bring me to a house like this? God, would you meet my need where I'm at? God bottles up that prayer and he takes it and he begins to work. And by the way, the sun that is 865,000 miles across, it's 1.3 million times the weight of the earth, pushed pause. Jesus just kind of pushed pause, just like you take your DVR and push a pause button. He just stopped on the solar system and said, all right, Joshua, finish the battle. Just pause. We know the sun doesn't stand still, it's, it's stationary. The earth, well, however that worked, don't get hung up on the details of it. Just know God is big, God hears you, God answers, and he'll make the whole universe stand still for people who will open up their mouth and begin to cry out to him. But you gotta get into his presence and realize that he's a God who wants to bring you into boldness. And if, if you come into his presence and you don't feel bolder as you pray, there's something wrong, not with God, but with your understanding of who God is. John, the beloved, cried out. If I could just say a few things about prayer, it's that when you come into his presence, he gives boldness and freedom. You can ask whatever you want. Sun, stand still. Ask it. Financial mountain, be removed. Ask it. Ask it, ask it, ask it. The fourth thing is simply this. 
Seven reasons I know he hears and answers prayer. Number four, because this story reminds me that with God, all things are possible. Another way of saying what I just said, this story reminds me that with God, all things are possible. From 92 to 97, my wife and I served on staff at the church and God began to work in our hearts and the hearts of the elders, the need to go out and the desire and the call to plant a church. And as we put things together at 24 years old, we launched out and planted a great church in Lewis County. I was 24 and they were showing pictures at our, our going away service of us at 24. If I'd have walked into that church and saw me standing there, I wouldn't have stayed. I was a kid. I looked so immature and somehow God favored us. And within 12 months, the church was self-supporting. Within 18 months, we bought a 30,000 square foot warehouse. And you know, uniquely enough, we didn't have a dime in the checking account when we started down the journey of buying that building. But I know that with God, all things are possible. So if God's gonna open a door, we're gonna move towards it. The day we got ready to sign, we were $2,500 short on our down payment. We got up and we prayed that morning. I called the other leaders and I said, I don't know what we're going to do. We're short on money. I've looked in my account and it's certainly not there. I've looked in the church's account and it's certainly not there, but we've got to have the money today. So my wife and I prayed and I got into our car and I said, I'm gonna drive to the post office. It's the last thing I can think of to do. And I drove to the post office and you know, opening the door, there was a re an envelope with a return address from Portland. And uh, it said City Bible Church at the top. I tore into it and it was a check for $5,000. We needed 2,500 and God doubled what we needed in order to get into it. I laughed all the way to the title office as we threw the check on the counter and said, God bought this building for us. He shows up in impossible situations. He comes through in moments where we don't know what to do and he causes us to triumph. Same thing happened just a couple of years ago. We got ready to launch an additional campus. A building came up for sale. We called the owner down in California and said, I wanna buy your building. He said, how much money do you have? And I said, none. <laughs> he said, what makes you think you can buy the building? I said, it's just what we do. We buy buildings with money we don't have. He said, you sound like somebody I wanna know. And this Baptist brother who called himself a Baptocostal got on a plane and flew up and met with our eldership. And there we sat in that conference room, pouring out our vision and pouring out our heart. And he said, well, how are we gonna work this out? And I said, well, I don't know. We're gonna come up with some money somehow, some way, and then we need you to carry the contract. And he said, okay. And he put out his hand and we shook on it. And that week, I got a phone call from some business people in the city that didn't even attend our church. They said, we heard you wanted to buy a building down south of your area. And I said, we do. They said, we wanna meet with you on the street corner. <laughs> Is your name Guido and you drive a black van? That's all I wanna know. <laughs> Am I safe? I said, we got guests in town, I'm kind of busy. They said, no, trust me, we, we wanna meet with you. It's only gonna take a few minutes, you'll be glad. And I thought, all right, if I'm gonna be glad, we'll do it. I drove down the street, met with them on the street corner. It was pouring rain and they were standing under an umbrella. The lady reached into her pocket and pulled out an envelope and handed it to me and she started jumping up and down. Tears were running down her face. And she said, it's for the glory of God, it's for the glory of God, it's for the glory of God. I opened up the envelope and there was a cashier's check for 
$65,000 in that envelope. $65,000. They were asking for a $30,000 down payment. I'm here to tell you today, God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He, he shows up in impossible situations and we took that $65,000 and I went to him and I said, if I put a larger down payment, can we negotiate the price of the property down even a little further? He said, sure, why not? We ended up acquiring that property for $265,000. A building that was two years old. It sat 200 people on an acre and a half on a main highway. $265,000, put $65,000 down. He said, I'll tell you what, we'll carry the contract at, oh, 2% interest and, and, and why don't we give you six months without a payment just so you can get into it and get this campus started. I'm here to tell you today that my God is good. My God shows up in your life. All you've got to do is believe in impossible situations. Another pastor from the city came to me and he said, well, pastor, that's amazing. You know, you are kind of a big city church. I laughed, Centralia is not a big city. I said, I said no, uh, we're not a big city church with a lot of money. He said, well, we wanted to buy that building, but we didn't have the money. I said, we didn't have the money either. And I wonder in life how many people are capped and stuck and limited and not experiencing breakthrough because when they come into the presence of the Lord, they don't find the boldness and the freedom in Christ they think he's against them. And so they pray, they pray little prayers and trust in a little God when in reality, his very name, Elohim, means the big God. Amen. The last time I went down the road of trying to sustain God, I collapsed. And I got things reversed and realized he actually sustains me. In fact, he holds this whole thing together. And my job as a believer is to get into his presence and then join him in what he's up to in the earth. And I just kind of align myself with his will. And I pray his thoughts. And I, I pray his ideas. He wants to open campuses. He wants to bless your business. He wants to heal your body. Come on now. He wants to grow our church. He wants to bring the prodigals home. This is his heart towards you. The fifth thing is, we're coming way near the end. The fifth thing is this, because the story presents me with a paradigm of a whole new way to pray. I'm not gonna just simply tell you stories about me. I'm gonna ask you to join me in this journey of evaluating your own life. What, what struggles are you up against? I, I know a a lady named Holly who came into our church back in the year 2000. And Holly came in and her and her husband sat in the back row and I went up and shook their hands after the service and I said, tell me about yourselves. And Holly began to cry. Holly said, I'm, I'm barren. I don't have children. We've not been able to conceive. We've been married 10 years and we just have not experienced breakthrough in pregnancy. And I took him by the hands and I said, you know, my God is a life giver. And I believe he can meet you right where you're at. And as a young pastor and a young leader, we stood and we prayed that the sun would stand still over their life and that God would give them victory over their enemies. Seven weeks ago, as we were preparing to go on vacation, I walked into Wells Fargo Bank 
She's now the area manager over all the Wells Fargo's. And as I stepped in, she happened to be in that branch that day. She came running across the room, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Daryl, I'm so sorry to see you go from the area. I want you to know the unbelievable mark you've placed on the life of my family. Because you see now she's got two preteen daughters. Because 11 months after we prayed, she gave birth to their first daughter. And a year and a half later, they gave birth to their next daughter. And today they're healthy and they're strong and they're thriving. And I said, I didn't make any mark on you. Come on, that was Jesus working in your life. We just happened to pray a radical prayer and he showed up in your life. That, that's the kind of thing he wants to do. The kinds of prayer we need to pray and the, the faith that we need to have is where you're at in your life. You may not be the pastor of a pioneer church and need $5,000 or $65,000. You might need God to perform a miracle to pay your light bill. I'm here to tell you today, he hears and he answers your prayer. The sixth thing is simply this. Seven reasons I know he hears and answers prayer. Number, number six, because the story teaches us that prayer and action go hand in hand. You know, eight years old, I pray, God, would you bring me to this place? There came a point where when God said, now's the time, I had to pack my stuff and go. When God began to speak to our hearts to return to City Bible Church this time, I can't even tell you what we had to go through to decide. The grief, the days of crying, the days of pacing the street, saying, God, is this what you're saying? And at the end of the day, when God said, go, we said, Lord, we will do whatever you tell us to do. And at that moment, we had to begin the journey. We had to put feet to our faith. Yours might be pray the prayer. It might be write the letter. It might be go to college. It might be apply for the job. It might be serve your wife. It might be talk to the bank. I don't know what it is, but every person in this room is not simply called to pray prayers that bounce off some heaven. Understand he hears and he answers, but he's going to respond with a word saying, come my brother, come my sister. There's something for you to do. There's a step for you to take. And in that moment, Joshua, the Bible says, traveled all night to get to Gibeon. And when he got there, he fought the battle and he continued to fight and continued to fight. And when he couldn't fight the battle, hail came. And when the end came, he prayed and he said, oh God, would you cause the sun to stand still? And it did. And he finished fighting the battle. A new way to pray, a new way of life, a new way of living. It's your way, it's my way. It's a kingdom way of living life. He hears and he answers our prayer. I want the worship team to come back. And if you're here this morning, I want you to understand that God is good and he's for you. The seventh and the final thing, I'm just gonna put this on the screen for you. The reason I know God hears and answers prayer is because the story tells us that the prayer of one will always be accomplished in the company of many. Joshua prayed, but Israel won the victory. There's gonna come a point in your life where you're gonna pray and you're gonna seek the face of God, but you're gonna need Israel to fight with you. You're gonna need the church to rally around you. 
And when you don't know what to pray and you don't know how to press in and step in and see the miracles of God come to pass and you're at your wits end and you see the, uh, the, the, the Amorites fighting and coming a little closer, you may need Israel to step up with you and fight the battle. That's where the church of Jesus Christ becomes so important. That's why, by the way, the altar is so important in the house of the Lord. This morning, as we open the altar, I commend you for stepping out of your seats and saying, I want somebody to agree together with me. We only need to do that more. Can I hear an amen? We only need more prayer time. We only need more ministry time. We only need more of stepping into the river and allowing the presence of the Lord to meet us in the company of believers. I know God hears and God answers prayer. Would you stand to your feet with me today? John said these words, and I'm gonna read them to you one more time. We're gonna put it on the screen. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. How bold and free we then become in his presence. Right now, the presence of Jesus is here. There's boldness for you. There's freedom for you. Would you just shake your hands off with me this morning? I know this might seem strange to some. Let's just shake off some of the restrictions and some of the, the baggage that comes with the limitations the enemy tries to place on us. The world's a harsh place, but my God is not harsh. He's going to bring you into boldness and freedom, into freshness in the presence of the Lord. How bold and free we then become in his presence freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening. And if we're confident that he's listening, we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours.